It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Exploration's Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. On with the show. That's Nicole Halton. How are you doing, Nicole? I am great. How are you doing? I'm delightful. I got on the scale this morning, um, Nicole. <laughs> and um, People don't usually start that with, I'm delightful, I got on the scales. Usually it's the other way around. Well, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I got on the scales. Well, look, I've been, I've been working this, the last six months. I've been trying to knock off some weight, knocked off just about 30 pounds. And as I of can't this- do the math on that, but. That's it's a it's a it's a substantial it's a it's a bit. Um, I I finally today I weighed in and I've completely lost all the baby weight. Um, and it it has been thirty years uh, <laughs> since my my son was born and I I, I put on uh, sympathy weight with with Tasha when she was uh, that's getting, totally fair. Yeah, yeah. I, I figured I was doing my duty uh, when she was getting big and balloon like uh, <laughs> with with him. And, uh, and it's taken 30, a little over 30 years to, uh, to take it off. And so it was a, it was a big celebratory day here for me. So you're telling me I've still got a few years to wait then. Yeah. You don't have to, you don't have to worry. It's no big rush. Uh, Tasha, Tasha took hers off a little bit quicker than I did. Um, it didn't take her three decades. Uh, but look, I'm feeling, feeling pretty good. You got to feel good about the things you can feel good about. So, uh, that's right. Absolutely. I think like it's the feeling good. That's the important part. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, um, now I guess tomorrow I'll start trying to put it back on. I I guess I I don't know. You got nothing else to do. (laughs) What Um, do I do now? (laughs) I'm I'm the limit. What do I do? Yeah. Yeah. So I gotta, gotta have goals. Um, and so I want to talk to you today about, about school readiness, which at least over here is a big thing for a lot of people. Oh, it's a big thing. Versus life readiness and 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 what our what our job in early learning is. And I would I would make the argument that school readiness isn't such a big and important thing. First day of school, I mean that's a that's a day on the calendar and it's a stressful, anxious day for kids and parents. And then it, then it. Not for me. I waved goodbye. You're just like, gonna wave goodbye. And, See no, you, you later. Were, were you taking the sad pictures to put on social media and first day of school type thing? Yeah, and, no, um, no. I think I actually did get a little bit sad, maybe with the third child, and everyone thought that was strange because it's like surely you should be like, oh yes, I'm finally, you know, finally I'm free. Work, I'm free. Um, between the hours of nine to three, but. I got a bit sad with the third child because I went, well, that's it. That's it. The days of 
small people at home that's gone. And yeah. I mean, look, we really we nailed that though by going into lockdown last year and again this year. So I've got to relive that having small children at home and Yep. No, not sad anymore. Yeah, I didn't have to. <laughs> the, the 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 tears were were were, were unnecessary. <laughs> Very unnecessary. So what what is what, what what am I trying to say? What are legally what is school readiness in Australia? What what does a child what 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 does a child what standards does a child need to meet meet to be to be legally um, allowed into school? Oh, they need to be the right age. That's probably about it. Um, no, but seriously, there is, and, and there's a variation between the states um, with the age at which a child can go to school. So they need to be, in most states, they need to be enrolled in school by the time they turn six. Um, but that does vary. Um, but usually by the time they turn six, they need to be enrolled in the first year of school. Um, but they can go in the year that they're turning five as long as they, their birthday is before the end of July or something. So this is in New South Wales where I am. So for all of my kids, they're at the start of the year. So they were able to go either when they were four turning five or five turning six. Um, but then for children who are born in the second half of the year, well, they don't have a choice. They need to go when they're five turning six. Um, so yeah, it's kind of, it's a bit tricky. Um, but in terms of what is expected, so each of the state governments here kind of has guidelines around what they expect and, you know, parental handbooks and things like that. And it really amused me quite a few years ago. I was doing some preparation for a workshop on school readiness and, or as I like to call it, the transition to school because there's going to be some kids who are never ready to go to school and mm -hmm. some kids who have to go whether they're ready or not. Um, so for me, it was about talking about the transition to school. Um, but when I was doing the research, I found it really interesting that our government in New South Wales actually in their information for families and whatever, not once did it say that fam that children needed to know how to read or to count to 10 or to uh, write their own name or, you know, all the things that people go, oh, they need to know that, they need to line up, they need to be able to sit still for a group time, you know, it didn't say any of those things. And I thought, isn't that interesting that, you know, our school system isn't actually asking for the things that we're saying are expected so who's saying that that's expected and I think it was a combination of teachers individual teachers who mm -hmm. wanted particular things it was a combination of early childhood educators who believed it needed to be a certain way and it was a combination of parents who had an expectation that it should be a certain way and I think you know it's I just find it interesting that there is no real requirement and there shouldn't be a real requirement like you know, I've got all sorts of stories on this topic, but, you know, for me, my eldest couldn't hold a pencil when he started school. He couldn't, you know, he could recognise his own name and he could, you know, get himself dressed and stuff. I was like, great, I'm happy with that. He went for his, so they do like a kind of assessment sort of thing, mm -hmm. see where they're up to before they start. And so he went for that a few months before starting school and I started to have a bit of panic because I was like all along I'd been play will sort him out he doesn't need anything else play will do it I'm not doing you know he wasn't at a, a preschool that did you know stencils or anything like that so I was like nope play is going to do it and then I got to that assessment and as he was walking away with the teacher I started to have like heart palpitations and think oh what if I was wrong what if I've got this all wrong and what if he can't do anything and what if he's going to get left behind and 
that was uh-huh. when, you know, mum guilt kind of kicked in. And, you know, fast forward now like five years and I, it's impossible to imagine that that kid could never read or write or, you know, whatever. And I think it was all for nothing. That way. How, how did that assessment go? Or did they come back and say like, has this kid been living in, a, in, in, the, in the outback? <laughs> they, what, what? They, did, they did come out and they said, he really needs some help with his pencil grip. And I'm like, yeah, fair enough. And probably his scissor skills. I'm like, yeah, fair enough. They're like, his name's not really legible, but he did make an attempt. I'm like, yeah, fair enough. And, you know, they said, oh, you could try this and you could try that. And I'm like, oh, look, I'm all about play. I said, and, you know, I feel like he'll he'll pick it up when he's ready. And I said, you know, and every year when I have to, we have to fill out these forms for our school, to, like our kids' teachers, you know, about our what we want for our children and whatever. And they always ask, you know, what are your thoughts on homework? And I always, they give you about three lines and I write about a 10 page essay in that three lines. Um, but, and I did essentially the same thing. I'm like, well, research shows and, you know, I give them the old early childhood spiel, but I still went away going, oh gosh, I have, I hope I haven't blown this. Like, I hope he's going to be okay. And I reckon he was at school for about three weeks and this kid was coming home reading and writing and, you know, like it just clicked because, it was time, you know, he was older. He was nearly six when he started. So he was one of the older ones in his group and it just clicked because he was ready. And, you know, I, I feel like it was the right decision and it gives me so much more confidence. I mean, now he reads, he reads more than I read and, you know, reads faster than I read. And, you know, like he's a really kind of academically driven kid, Mm -hmm. but he didn't have that beginning and it didn't matter. And I think that's, I always make that point to people not to say, Oh, well, look, you know, he's, he's so smart because, you know, you know, good luck to him. He might have been smart if he'd had that academic start, but he didn't have it and he still did fine. And yeah. I think that's, you know, for me, that's reassuring that he had play and play was enough. And and a lot of, I mean, there's a, a lot of people won't, won't accept or don't understand or can't believe that. And so there's, there's this push and I think it's probably worse here than it is there, this push towards the early academics and this, this grind towards the first day of school and school readiness. And you've got to be able to hold your breath for 15 minutes underwater. No, um, <laughs> no, you've got to be able to write your name and you got to know the alphabet and you've got to do this yeah. and you've got to do that. And it, and it turns out that for a, a good percentage of kids, they just cognitively and physiologically aren't ready yeah. by, by that particular date on the calendar. And it amazes me that we're still stuck in that. And I think you're right. I think it is probably not quite as intense here. And maybe that's partly just our really laid back nature in general that it's like, yeah, it'll be fine. You know, the parents kind of go, oh, we could be doing flashcards and we could be doing, oh, no, we could also just go to the beach. Like, (laughs) you know, we kind of just have a bit of that attitude, I think, that it's like, it'll be right. Um, But I think there is there is still that push down where there's those high expectations. And I think for a lot of people, it comes at about uh, four and a half when they're like, oh my gosh, my child's going to school in six months. Uh, I need to like jam everything into them now so yeah. that they'll be fine. And yet, you know, I was reading the other day and I can't even remember where I was reading it now, but I've read it before, but you know, the research that talks about how, you know, where a child is at a certain point in time doesn't necessarily mean that they'll travel along that same trajectory 
and that the child who was, you know, sitting at a completely different spot can surpass them or catch up to them or, you know, it'll it'll ebb and flow. Like it doesn't always stay the same. So the child that can read at four and everyone goes, oh, my gosh, my child can read and that's incredible and, you know, aren't they gifted? might still be reading at the same level by the time they're eight and the children who weren't reading at four are reading at the same level as them at eight. You know, it's like it it catches up and I think we waste so much time and energy trying to, like, fill children with that stuff that we think they need to know and need to be able to do and most of it's useless. Yeah, and and, and the, the curriculum gets gets pushed down. And so we start expecting three-year-olds to do stuff that five-year-olds yeah. are doing. And and it, it just becomes a stressful, anxious experience for, for everybody. And and now that I think of it over here, maybe, you know, maybe this push towards academics and and that rush and school readiness grr is is based on the the maybe maybe it's not so pervasive uh maybe most families are more of the mindset like yeah it's going to be okay until they start paying attention to the social media mavens that are preaching things and the the marketers that are trying to sell the workbooks for two-year-olds the 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 school readiness workbooks and and all that bullshit um and and so maybe the the computer apps and stuff the the apps and games and things that are going to teach your child to read and you know and and it starts to put that fear into parents and I like I always say to people when we do you know, I've done this like training on school readiness and transitions and whatever with a lot of services. And I always say, because so many educators will say, oh my gosh, the parents are putting so much pressure on us to do, you know, stencils with the children and to do, you know, particular things with them and sit them down at desks. And, you know, we're getting so much pressure from the parents. And I always like to say, I don't think that pressure comes from a place of, hey, you're not doing your job. You need to do it like this. It comes from a fear place of, I hope I'm doing enough for my child. I hope I'm doing the right thing for my child because I think that's what, you know, 99% of families just want the best for their child. They want them to be, you know, happy and successful in whatever that looks like. But I think that then it plays on that fear and it's like, well, now we have to have to make them do that stuff so we can kind of allay that fear and go, okay, we've covered the bases. They're going to be fine. And it's like, actually, they're going to be fine anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think for a lot of parents, they, they want the best for their child. And the, yeah. the, the struggle is that they don't know what that looks like. Yes. And, and that's where it's up to us, you know, in, in the profession to be able to say, hey, you know what, it's going to be okay. Here's the research that shows that, you know, even though your child can't read now and they're, you know, they're two and a half, they really should be able to read a novel by now. But even though they can't, by the time they get to this age, they'll be just fine, you know, there. And and I think showing families that sort of stuff in, you know, simplified ways, you don't want to dump them with a, you know, 45-page research paper. Yeah. But being able to break down little pieces of research or information that help to reassure families that, you know what, your child's exactly where they need to be. And, you know, rather than worrying about whether they can count to 10 in Japanese or whatever, worry about whether they feel confident to ask for help or whether they can take themselves to the toilet or, you know, like there are kids who start school and they can't do those things. They can't get themselves dressed. They can't ask, you know, for help if they need it. And so they'll sit in the corner of the classroom and just do nothing because it's like, well, I don't know what to do next. Um, So, you know, I think it's that showing families that value of, as you say, life skills rather than 
just being prepared for the first day of school because the first day of school comes and goes. And, you know, I mean, it's different. It is different. I think we have to recognise that school does look different to how it used to. And when I was in, well, it's kindergarten here, but like the first year of official schooling. um, So I was, you know, four and a half and we still had like rest time. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be we'd have lunch and then the teacher would turn the lights off and we'd all lay on the floor and we'd have a story. Some people might nod off and that was okay. And now it's like that's just that wouldn't happen. Yeah, you know, it just was that, doesn't was that happen. A, were, you, were you going full day or part day? That was full day. Yeah, we did used to do a full day. And I mean, look here, I don't know what it's like there, but here the full days um, essentially about nine to three. Um, so you're looking at six hours and. 45 minutes of that lunchtime outside and another half an hour might be recess outside. So, you know, realistically, the the number of schooling hours hasn't changed from when I was a kid. So, you know, it's still pretty much the same. Um, but I think the expectations have changed. Yeah. yeah. Well, Although can, it's starting can, to swing back. It is starting to swing back a bit more to play, like a lot more. Uh, there are a lot more schools that are starting to spend more time in the first year good. doing play rather than you know, sit down at a desk. For for me, kindergarten was a morning thing, maybe three, three and a half hours. We yeah. also had rest time long enough that most of us fell asleep. Yeah. Um, and then there was snack time built in there. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, and then we, we played, I know there was a, a playhouse and there were, were big hollow blocks and there was, was at least one outside recess time. So, I mean, it was, it was pretty much play and socialization. Yeah. And, and when I talk about, you know, life ready, that social emotional part is, is the big piece there because yeah. the, the skills kids are going to take with them all their lives. Now, you, you, there's there's plenty of stuff they're going to learn academically in school that they're going to remember just long enough to pass the test and move on to the next yeah. thing. Yeah. But the the social emotional bits are things that that serve us throughout our whole lives and the more we can focus on that in those early years, the the better foundation I think we give kids for for everything else that comes in the next 70 or 80 years because because all the all the academic stuff needs that foundation of kids feeling safe and secure and valued and appreciated um and like they're they're part of something before they're able to relax enough to take learning risks to to practice stacking blocks or, uh, yeah. or, or, or engage in trying to figure out how to hold a pencil and and make a little squiggle that's called a C. Um, or whatever it is, um, it's all about where they are emotionally and socially before they can get to that bit. And and this rush rush towards the formal academics tends to, in a lot of settings, bypass that social emotional stuff. And so, so like, like Lisa Murphy talks about, you got a kid that, uh, that can count to a hundred in Cantonese and, uh, and still can't buckle their own pants or or get their shovel back on the playground. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and, and it does children such a disservice, you know, it's, it's selling them short on what they are capable of because we're so focused on things that, as you say, they're not going to matter. You know, we do a weekly um, quiz with our whole family, like with my parents and like our kids get involved and whatever. And obviously the six and eight-year-old, you know, can only contribute with some questions. It's a 100-question quiz no 90 90 question quiz and they get significantly harder so they're in blocks of 30 and it's interesting 
seeing particularly my 11-year-old participate and he's a bit of a know-all. He knows everything and he loves knowledge. He loves knowing stuff. But I think that's come about because he's been encouraged to be curious and to want to learn things, whereas I sometimes will have a question come up and it's you know something that I go, oh, my gosh, I did this in ancient history in year 12. This was my subject. It was for our big exam. I wrote, you know, a 25-page paper on it. I cannot remember, like nothing, nothing. It's just gone because it's completely irrelevant. And I don't need it. And I'm not saying that we can't or shouldn't teach children, you know, history and all sorts of things. I think we want children to be exposed to those sorts of things. But it's more about the desire to learn and the drive and the, you know, that curiosity rather than, which is about a disposition rather than actually a skill or a thing to teach. You know, it's about encouraging that disposition. I think if we could encourage that more so than um, actually saying, you know what, here's the curriculum and this is what we're learning, um, you know, I think we'd have a lot more kids who, as they get older, it's not so hard, I think, when they're little, but as they get older, they lose interest in school. You know, it's, it's hard to keep them engaged because it's like, well, this isn't interesting to me anymore, you know, because they don't have that desire. Yeah, I, I lost that for about six months and so never got it back. Um, yeah. Were, were, were you school ready? Do you, do you remember your first day of kindergarten, your, your kindergarten experience? Yes, I was busting to get to school. I was a lot like my youngest, who was also busting to get to school. So my brother was five years older than me. So he'd sort of pretty much always been at school um, while I was little and at home. So sure. it was only just me at home. So I was really excited to get to school. But I'd also been to the preschool, which was next to the school. So we'd had this really lovely transition where you'd go and visit the kindergarten. And so you knew the playground and you knew. And for me, that I think that kind of informs a lot of my thinking about supporting children to start school. It's not about preparing them with, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do? It's actually helping them feel supported. Like, where do I go to the toilet? Where will I find a friend to play with in the playground? Where do I go if I fall over and skin my knee and I need a Band-Aid? Where will I go if I you know, can't find my drink bottle and I need help finding it? What do I do if, you know, all those sorts of things. And I think we focus so little on the actual, it is a momentous thing, transitioning from either being at home all the time or being in a childcare environment or whatever into a school situation. It's completely different. But I think we focus far less on the transition and more on the actual skills of being ready that, you know, we miss some really vital stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't like kindergarten because it was entirely new to me. I, yeah. I, I didn't have a, a preschool experience. It was mostly me at home with my sister. And I mean, my mom did a little bit of babysitting through other kids around. So it's not like I'm growing up in a cave. Um, but it's different. But yeah, but it's completely different. And, and my big struggle was um, figuring out how to pee. Because yes. because the time that we were allowed to go to the bathroom wasn't when I needed to go. 
And, 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 and even if I did, we, th this bathroom for the kindergartners, and this, this is a school, they just tore it down about two years ago. I mean, this was an ancient school built in like the late 1800s, I think. Yeah, wow. um, a, a beautiful building. They, but so this kindergarten bathroom, it had uh, like a, a trough urinal. I know you don't spend a lot of time around urinals, but not typically, but yeah, I'm, but, I'm familiar enough. Yeah. And, and so this was a brand new thing to me. If, if listeners, I know we've got a, a, I mean, I know the demographics of the show, a lot of female listeners, a trough urinal is just this big. <laughs> Big, long sink like thing where where multiple dudes can pee together um imagine Which putting, how putting is that for a child and i often think about that now for children who in you know childcare settings have had just an ordinary toilet to then go into a school setting where that's the setup it's like hang on a minute what is this what are we doing here and, and that's exactly the way i was for like um, all of kindergarten because, and not only is this, this, this trough urinal, which I've never had any contact with, but it, it is, it is not kindergartner sized. So there's, they've, they've got like this little, uh, plywood step up, little <laughs> step up stools or a couple of them. So you can, you can step up there and pee. And, and I was, you know, if, if, if somebody wanted to make me school ready, they should have taken four and a half or five year old Jeff and said, okay, look, here's how this works. This here's the this. process. Yeah. Um, we, you, you gotta, you gotta pee on command because you're only going to have these, these two opportunities during the day to do it. It's not like yep. the, the previous three years of your life. Where as you can you, just as, pee when you want. <laughs> as you, well, you've had control of your bladder since you were about two <laughs> and a half and you could pee whenever you needed to. You can't do that anymore here. Um, my life would have been been a lot better because, because I don't know how that transition experience would go. Like, who would lead that experience? Do you think? Can you imagine that's a teacher saying, "This is how it is now. Now you pee over here, and you just pee when I tell you to." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, very uncomfortable and very weird, but it would have been very beneficial to uh, yeah. to to young Jeff forty plus years ago, forty five plus years ago. Damn, I'm getting we old. actually made um, going back years ago. Now, when Tash and I worked in a preschool room together, and we had um, one child in particular who was going off to school, and you know had a lot of anxiety, and you know there was some other developmental issues going on, but a really bright kid, you could tell he was going to do fine academically. But the thought of going to school, he was like, oh, my gosh, I don't I don't know. I don't feel comfortable. I don't want to go. And so um, we actually went to the school and took photos of like, here's the bubbler. Here's the toilet. Here's the canteen. This is a teacher. This is. You know, and we made a book and he read that book like every day, multiple times, you know, in that lead up to school. Sure. And by the time he went, it was like, OK, I've got this. Like, I know where that thing is and I know when the bell goes this is what's going to happen and I know you know it's that real preparedness that actually you know regardless of whether he was academically ready or not if we hadn't taken care of that emotional stuff the academic stuff would just he couldn't have done it you know he couldn't have handled it he would have spent more time in tears outside because it was all too overwhelming and he didn't know what to do and it would have been a disservice to him for someone who, you know, as I say, was really bright and you could tell was just going to click when it came to the academic stuff. That was no concern. But if you didn't take care of that emotional stuff, you yeah. know, feeling socially ready, he would have really struggled. If, if only somebody would have made a book like that for, for young yeah. Jeff. Because young I would, Jeff I, 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 gave up, I gave up trying. I just, I would just wait till I got Hold home. On. And, yeah. and I, and I get home and I'd, I'd pee like a well-hydrated racehorse. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, 
if I made it. Um, <laughs> and I mean, there were, I mean, there were some accidents in the kindergarten and talk about yeah. embarrassing and talking about socially awkward. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I got to tell you, that was probably contributed to setting my, setting my, um, my mindset about school for the next 50 plus years. And so yeah. the, the failure to make me school ready in the way that I really needed to be school needed ready, to be. Yeah. um, uh, kind of, kind of failed me. And, but um, I think sometimes we need to ask the children, like the children who are going to school, you know, what, what will make you feel good about going to school? Like, what are you excited about? What are you scared about? What do you want to know? You know, what do you have questions about? I think too often it's like grown-ups take control of the whole process and you'll go here and you'll do this and we'll do this and we'll, you know, we do all the things for them. But I think we need to give them a little bit more power in that and to actually say, you know, what are you excited about? What are you scared about? I can remember, and this is not a starting school experience, but it's a funny one. I had, so I got to year 10, so I was about 15, I suppose, and doing workplace experience through school. And I decided to do it at my old preschool. And I, well, actually I did it at the school, but I got to go down to the preschool for a few days as well. And so I, the morning that I knew I was going to the preschool, I woke up in a cold sweat and I had this big fear. Where on earth am I supposed to go to the toilet? Because my memories of preschool were that all the toilets were open. So there's just this empty, you know, this big open bathroom with windows and no doors and all these toilets just open. And 15-year-old me is panicking and thinking, <laughs> Oh my gosh, what am I supposed to do when I need to go to the toilet? Now, look, logical, <clears throat> almost 40 year old me knows that obviously there's a staff bathroom, but 15 year old me didn't click. 15 year old me was like, man, I'm not prepared. I don't feel comfortable. And I think that's what happens with children. You know, if they're not prepared and they don't know what to expect, it's like those moments of panic where you think, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And it makes it far worse than it probably needs to be. So, yeah, I think it's just that supporting children and knowing what would make them feel comfortable and what they're scared about and what they're excited about. And, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like we've bonded a little bit over our, our childhood <laughs> inabilities to, to know where to pee. Um, that's that's delightful. Um, you're talking a little bit ago, we talked about um, parents and educating them up and that kind of being our part of our job and, and not wanting yeah. to throw a 40 page thing at them and that kind of stuff. And and so before we wrap up, I just want to throw the 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 terminology I like to use for that is sushi learning, these little bite-sized bits oh, nice. of, of information that we can give parents, the 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 things they can consume in one bite. And that's yeah. that's uh that's things like, you know, you you post if you've got a social media feed for the families, you post that that one picture and then you spend no yeah. more than a sentence and a half explaining what's going on. It looks like they're just covered in mud or 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 busy with the the play-doh or the tape or the scissors, but then you you spend a little bit of time explaining how this activity is getting them school ready and, yeah. and those little bite-sized bits are things that the parents can consume and and you might you might need to start feeding them those when the the child is 8 months old or younger. Um I think when you start that early it just becomes expected then you know families start to expect it and they feel more comfortable so that they don't get to kind of three or four and start to panic they yeah. already know hey these yeah. people have got it they know what they're doing and I can see you know how my child's developing and you know and I think I, I love the term sushi 
um, sushi learning is great um, because that's it. You do, you just need to give them those little bits that provide enough food for thought that's like, oh, okay, yep, I feel good about that without being overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. And, and then I think the other thing programs can do to be a little bit more supportive is from the very beginning, and maybe this gets built into, into handbooks and the, the onboarding process when they enroll families, talking about our, our main focus isn't school ready, our main focus is life ready, because yeah. that, takes, that takes the focus off of that first day of school and the academics and puts the focus on the social emotional and the relationships and the, the long-term benefits of the, the things kids are going to be doing in, a, in an active child-led play-based program. I've actually got something from a service here in Australia who in their parent handbook, um, you know, and I always say that to people, you need to be really clear with people up front. Like this is what we do here. We don't do worksheets and we don't do sit down and learn your alphabet and we don't do blah, blah, and blah. But this is what we do instead and this is how that helps. And this service actually, you know, it kind of did like a frequently asked questions kind of thing and just answered it. And, you know, one of them was like, when will you teach my child to read? And their answer was, we won't. And mm-hmm. then went on to, but we will, you know, support language and literacy through, you know, X, yeah. Y, and Z. When will you teach my child math? We won't, but we will, you know, and it was really clear. And I think the clearer we are with families from the get-go, you know, I think you set up an expectation that actually this is just how we do things here. And, and you know, I think we're lucky here in Australia, our, um, our national so we have a national curriculum for uh, early childhood services. The national sort of guidelines actually are about play. And, you know, they really recognise that. Now people can interpret and misinterpret that in different ways and people will definitely still twist it and still be able to say, oh, no, sitting down to do a, you know, worksheet for 45 minutes, that's play. It's like, oh, it's not. Um, but I think having that support is helpful, you know, being able to, for us to go back and say, hey, this document is our national document and it supports play, like yeah. it's all about play. So yeah. I think that makes a difference. Um, but, yeah, just being able to be upfront with it from the beginning I think is is vital because, yeah, parents are, they're always going to ask, they're always going to have that fear that my child's not ready and what are you doing, how are you helping, what am I paying you for kind of thing. And I think we need to be clear about that. Yeah, anything we can do to to turn down that flame of fear and panic that yeah. parents find burning under their their posteriors when it comes <laughs> to their child's future can, can be beneficial, I think. Yeah. Any other thoughts on this one before we wrap it up? I mean, I could talk on this topic for like days and days and days. So I think we're best to wrap it up. Well, that's that's what future <laughs> episodes are for. Hey, listeners, this this has been the Child Care Bar and Real podcast. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you sharing the show with friends, enemies, strangers. All of that benefits us because one or two of them might click over and give us a listen. If you need more Nicole in your life, go to inspiredec.com and click around. If you need more me in your life, uh, go to explorationsearlylearning.com. And to make that even easier, there are links in the show notes. So you can go onto your computer device that you're listening to this episode on, click the link and poof, you're there. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production.